This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. Gentlemen, how are we today? Hot. I'm so sick of stupid yeah, Indian, hot Indian, weather. Indian, Indian summer. Someone texted me today, and they were like, hey, just check the weather in your area. Why is it a million degrees? And I said, well, you've clearly never been to St. Louis. Yeah, I think this might be, I mean... Famous last words. This might be the end of it, though. For so. oh no, for the rest of the year, no. no? We're, we're gonna, oh yeah, for gonna, for nineties, we're gonna we're gonna get that one weekend in October. I'm telling you, that's it's, gonna it's, be it's in gonna, the nineties. It's gonna get up there, like as hot as it's been it, the past three it's, days. It's gonna get up there. It won't be as humid, and, and we're all gonna look back on this. And laugh. <laughs> well, you're right about that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we had a fire drill yesterday at work, so it oh, was fun. Two o'clock in the. I mean, it's amazing how this day and age you still need to have fire drills with like with adults. Like, you wouldn't know what to do if the building was on fire. See, the thing of it is, is you drill, and then something actually happens, and then people lose, no, have their, no idea what lose to do. their damn minds. I, I guess it's what it when is, but, con- I mean, think about it. I mean, like, I'm, I'm 41. Andy, I know you're the same age as I yeah, am. I am. Clay, you're like 13. <laughs> um, so, combined... Those damn millennials. So, combined, we got, you know, 90-plus years of experience. 100-plus years. 100-plus years of experience. I mean, like, how many fire drills would you say you've done? Going back to grade school. Oh, a bunch. A bunch. I think and they're, they're all the same. I think the reason they do it, though, is for accountability so they can count you to make and, sure that you're what, out of the building. And now, Well, I think what a lot of it is, though, I think it was an insurance thing. Oh, absolutely. Say, yeah, so insurance. the building catches on fire and you die. The family can't sue you because you've never had a fire drill. Right. right. Even though you could be like, look, he was 41 years old. I think he would know what to do if the building was on fire. That doesn't hold up in a court I, of law, Matt. Probably mm-hmm. not. <laughs> my, well, my, wife, my wife got this text. Oh, another fire alarm. I guess we're just doing another fire drill. I'm just going to sit here and wait it out. I'm going to wait it out in the I bathroom. Lo- I love those people who are just, oh, it's a drill. It's fine. It's a drill. We'll oh, and those are the first people that die in every fire. Absolutely. Well, see, see, they always tell us they're, we're having one. Like you get, You'll get an email, oh, yeah. and then your manager will come around and be like, hey, fire drill at 2 o'clock, fire drill at 2 o'clock. I remember there was a woman I used to work with that she every single time we either had a fire drill or a tornado drill, she would have to ask, is this the one that we stay inside for? <laughs> so, yes, it'd be like, let's think about that for a second, Gail. If it's a fire drill, you want to be out of the building. If it's a tornado drill, you want to be in the building. Let's think about this for a second. Common logic applied there. She would ask that every single time, and it cracked me up. Can't can't hurt her for at least asking questions. Being hey, uh, you know what? Being intuitive. About they they always thing. say the, the the like. There's the only dumb questions are ones that are never asked. And she's never going to die in a fire. You're right about that because she would ask somebody what to do. <laughs> what do I do now? But I mean, yesterday we're standing on the asphalt, and it's like 96 oh, degrees. Just brutal. Yesterday. Fire was standing outside on, yesterday. Y- y- yes, it was, and it's like what, it, it's September 19th, and it's still this damn hot. Yeah. It makes no sense. Although highs in the 60s next week. Thank God. It's supposed to be beautiful this weekend. Yep. Yes, it is. I, I, I can't wait for fall weather. Fall is oh. the best time of the year. The sports are the best. The weather is the best. And, like, bring it on, finally. The food is the best because you don't eat like you do in the fall and the winter months like you do in spring nope. and summer. Because You're right. You eat light, you know, try to get summer beach bod. Yes. And then the fall comes around, you put that oversized sweatshirt on. It's like, it's I'll like we're, have... Five racks of ribs. We're, 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 How yeah, much we're chili all, can I pound here? <laughs> we all morph into bears. Exactly. We're looking like to fatten up for hibernation. Just, right. Getting, just gearing up for hibernation season. Which is like, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday, and it's the least respected holiday on our calendar. I hate that that's absolutely true. Because right now there are people out there who are already planning like to decorate their house for Christmas. Either right. Halloween oh. or Christmas. So you guys know I, I run the soda machine here at, at the uh, world headquarters of, inside, of, uh, okay. of the St. Louis Podcast Network. So I had to go to uh, Sam's yesterday and get some soda. Oh, yeah. They already got their Christmas decorations. Full decked out. Yeah. It, they're, with their yard decorations, trees, and you can get your wide array of Glade scented aerosol cans that have your favorite Christmas smell in them. Oh, man, I've seen people on Facebook post like you know the memes, like the countdown to how many days until Christmas. I'm like, stop it right now. Right. It's like, 95 I'm, I'm, degrees outside. Yeah, I'm, I'm still wearing shorts and flip-flops. Stop this countdown to Christmas. Those are the people standing outside or standing near the window, like looking up at the sky and saying, those are the, it's, it's coming down any day now. Yeah, well, those are the people like November 1st, they throw out the, like, the skeletons and the witches, and oh. they start putting up their Christmas decor. 
uh, Christmas trees are supposed to go up the day after Thanksgiving. That's when they go up. Traditionally, yes. But, I mean, like talking about Thanksgiving getting no respect, as soon as, like, the people who love Christmas, they kind of sort of love Halloween, too, because, like, Halloween is the foreplay to the sex that Christmas is. Yeah. So they love Halloween knowing that Christmas is right around the corner. So as soon as Halloween is over, the countdown to Christmas is on. And I'm like, look, we're completely overlooking the best holiday there is, which is Thanksgiving. Because all you do is just eat like a pig and watch football. There's three football games that day now. Yes. You don't have to literally move the entire day. It's a sanctioned holiday where you do not have to go to work. I mean, unless you're, you know, union labor or something, whatever have you. Or retail. Or retail, something like that. You're gearing up for the sociopaths on Black Friday. So you don't have to go to work. You literally (laughs) can eat as much as you want without anyone body shaming you. Yeah, no one judges you. Exactly. No judging. You talk to people who you've never talked... you don't talk to for long periods of time. Every It seems like every Thanksgiving I meet a family member that I've never met before or I haven't talked to in years. And you do that all day. It's the one day a year you get to do it. It's pretty fantastic. I enjoy making a huge feast on Thanksgiving. Oh, you're the cook. You're the oh, cook. yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. You put the bird in what the ca- oven? What kind of spread are we talking about here? I cheat. Okay. Well, the key question you make is... It the, you make it the day before? No. Okay. How do you cook the turkey? The turkey? How's the... How's the turkey done? Well, when I cook a turkey, I usually cook it in a roasting oven. Okay. However, what, I, what I've what i been doing is I'll buy a turkey from the meat locker here in Edwardsville, and they will cook it and slice it for you. Okay, so you're, that that's the hardest part, so you're cheating on this. <laughs> yeah, so I'm cheating on that part. Everything else I make from scratch. I make stuffing from scratch or, okay. or dressing from scratch, uh, sweet potato, whatever. You know, I, I don't do the straight sweet potatoes. I'll do like a – I've done like a – like a where you blend them up a little bit. Okay. It's kind of like more like, like a, a like a casserole. Okay. It's delicious. Corn casserole, mashed potatoes, real mashed potatoes, not not <laughs> not, not the instant. Okay. Yeah. Remember, so <laughs> the first year I did it, I made enough food to feed ninety people, and I was feeding like eighteen. <laughs> I cooked fifteen pounds of. Of uh, mashed potatoes. Holy That's shit! A lot, of, a lot of peeling. Yeah, but <laughs> it was fine. I mean, I, I, well, I'm a, I'm a mass. So I have my grandmother's old vegetable peeler, and you. And so how long? So you, so you probably should start cooking your Thanksgiving dinner like right now. I, cook, I start on Wednesday. You start on Wednesday. Yeah. Like what? Like the at day. four in the morning on Wednesday? No, no, just Wednesday evening. Pre- I just prep it all, and you're up and then, all night. No, till midnight. Okay. I'm just I'm very well organized and I'm I'm very good at getting things done, getting to a point where they're just they're they go in the dish and then they're ready to go in the oven. And it sounds like this isn't your first rodeo. Like you've done this years. Years so, I've done. So this. you know what to do. I, and okay. I know exactly what to do. I did try to one year to um, uh, what is it, what I called? Oh, delegate out some of my she uh, so my sister in law volunteered to make the stuffing and the mashed potatoes, mm. and that bitch brought. <laughs> Instant mashed potatoes and fucking uh, <laughs> stovetop to my house. Tell to, us to how my you thing, really, really feel to about my your thing, sister. <laughs> to my thing, and I love her to death. She's not really a bitch. Well, I would hope not. No, she's not. Uh, hot thanks, Thanksgiving's a big, big point for you. It's big, big point. Big pressure. Point and then you. you know, and then my so my in laws they all want to eat off paper plates because it's easy. I'm like, it's no, the, it's the one day a year you it's, pull the fine china from it's the cabinet Thanksgiving. and you eat it. It's th- it's, yeah, that's why you have the it's fine china. Rookie move. It's for Thanksgiving. Rookie move. Paper plates. Nonsense. So this was this came out in 2014. Okay. It was a Craigslist ad for a Thanksgiving date, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever read in my entire life. So this is the ad. It's Thanksgiving. Want to skip that long, insulting conversation about how you're still single and how about your and about how your parents really want more grandchildren? Well, look no further. I am a 28-year-old felon. <laughs> With no high school degree and a dirty old van one year younger than me painted like Eddie Van Halen's guitar. Love it. I can play anywhere between the ages of 20 and 29, depending on if I shave. I'm a line cook and work late nights at a bar. If you'd like to have me as your strictly platonic date for Thanksgiving, but have me pretend to be in a very long or serious relationship with you to torment your family, I'm game. I can do <laughs> these. I can do these things at your request. Openly hit on other female guests while you act like you don't notice. Start <laughs> start instigative uh, discussions about politics and or religion. Propose to you in front of everyone. Pretend to be really drunk as the evening goes on. Sorry, I don't drink, but I used to a lot. Too much, in fact. I know the drill. 
and start an actual physical fight with a family member either inside or on the front lawn for all the neighbors to see. I require no pay, but the free meal I will receive as a guest. That guy needs to be a comedy writer. That guy is funny. That guy needs That's to be on our show. That's very funny. That guy does need to be on our show. I mean, he, uh, he encapsulated everything that is the magic of Thanksgiving. Yes, he did. All, I all, think the spirit all, of it, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. He, he encapsulated it. See, we're not, we're not a big drinking family. And I mean, so, like, and so, there's no like drunk uncle baking an ass of himself. I think. I mean, we're all pretty, it's all pretty low key. I mean, like, okay, d- depending on the holiday, like Thanksgiving, for some reason, we really won't either. Like, someone will maybe have like a couple of bottles of beer or a couple of glasses of wine. Yeah. But the thing is, is like Thanksgiving, I don't get together with the extended family. I just go to my parents' house, and that's it. And depending on who's available on that Thursday is who, is who comes over. Yeah. Uh, I know this year my sister and brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is from Kansas. They're going to Kansas for Thanksgiving this year, so more than likely it'll just be my brother and my parents, which is fine because that way we can just sit there and eat and watch football and, and complete in total silence. And you don't have to shuffle off to another meal. Exactly. We don't have to do any of that. Now, Christmas, we kind of split up into like it's become like a, a three-weekend venture. We like go to my mom's side one weekend. My dad's side another weekend, and then Christmas we'll, we'll probably usually go to my parents' house. And like you mean, like both sides of my parents' family, like we'll drink, but no one's gonna get ossified drunk, and, right? We just or never anything did like that. Yeah, we just never did. I mean, like, but it'll be like wine with dinner, yeah, or it'll be absolutely. you know maybe a couple of cocktails. Like usually Christmas more. There's a little more Christmas cheer than there is for Thanksgiving. But I think we last year on Christmas Eve. That's my my mom always makes a huge, fabulous meal on Christmas Eve. And I think we put down five or six bottles of wine. Wow. Which, yeah. We, that's we, quite a bit. We drank some wine. Yeah, that's quite a bit. See, my family, somebody's completely just sloshed and like, crying. Like, passed out, like passed out drunk? It, <laughs> it could be a Tuesday in the middle of March. <laughs> hey, the family's getting together. Someone's drunk and crying by the end of the year. Wow. <laughs> so. It uh, sounds like fun. It's, it's something. It keeps it interesting, I'll say that. Speaking of fun, the game on Saturday night between Purdue and Mizzou was a lot of fun to watch. Now a little too close to call. Yep. I mean, like a little, like a, yeah, a, got a, a little, little, got a little shaky there. Just a the little end. bit shaky. I was at Hot Shots in Winsville. Give them a free plug. I was at Hot Shots in Winsville, so I did not get to hear the yeah, call. Jay Boyd's a fine American. Jay Boyd is a fine American. Um, but judging from what people were writing on Twitter, apparently the announcers for that game on the Big Ten Network were not very good. Yeah, I saw a few comments about it. Tim McKernan said that he. Um, he broadcasted like a like a slew volleyball game one time when he was in high school, and he said that the uh, the announce team on Saturday night made that call his volleyball call look like the miracle on ice. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's those entry level fo- I mean, if you're getting the freaking Purdue football game, I mean, no offense to Mizzou, but the Mizzou. F- Purdue football that's, game. That's, that's not a big draw. Chance, yeah, chances are you're not top of the list on ESPN or any other network affiliate. Like you're, you're probably bottom. Oh, tier I can hear just, it now. Just getting into the. Just you are looking live at the stadium <laughs> in West Lafayette, Indiana. I'm oh, no. Brett Musburger. Oh no, old Brett Musburger is calling the Raiders games now. Oh, is he really? He's doing the Raiders play on radio. Point. On radio, good for yeah. him. All because like Brett Musburger. In case you have never noticed, as a pretty big gambler like he's even got a show about gambling now oh, on yeah. serious and he's out in vegas oh, so yeah. the whole thing is is that by the time the raiders make their way out to vegas he'll already be established as their play-by-play guy and people will be used to him so that's the reason why they made the move that they did um but i want i want to go back to the uh, purdue mizzou game watching that game like purdue is i mean they're not really necessarily a program i mean they've had a few good players in their past drew Brees immediately comes to mind mm-hmm. but they're, they're not like a football powerhouse and Mizzou secondary made them look like a football powerhouse. Mizzou secondary is really bad, and they don't have much of a pass rush either. So, which is strange considering that Barry Odom's forte is defense. Like he was a defensive coordinator under Gary Pinkle. So you're thinking that hey, this Mizzou defense is going to be outstanding, and this no, Mizzou no, no, defense no, 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 is no, no, not no. very good. No, 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 you'd be wrong. Yeah, the Mizzou <laughs> defense is not very good. Drew Locke looks good though. Like watching Drew Locke play, I, I mean, like I'm always. I don't actively look for him, but I'll get notifications that there's always like this, like this too early 2019 NFL draft, draft, mock draft, and I'll look at it just because I mean mock drafts are just or what they are, they're entertainment purposes only. Right. So I'll look at it, and every single one, of, I mean, like the few I've seen, the two or three I've seen, has Drew Locke going like in the top 15 oh, yeah. to the New York Giants. Like I'd he's going to be a first round pick. I'd say I, I'd even go one further. Everyone that I've seen is like top five. 
depending on I, I've seen him to the Giants a lot, um, you know, because Eli's getting up there in age. But yeah, Drew Locke is Drew Locke. He's uh, you know he's the next in line in a long list of Missouri quarterbacks who you know are really really good college players. The next question will be is can they translate into NFL type players? I think and Drew Locke seemingly right now I think probably has the best tangibles out of you know all the guys that have come before him, Blaine Gabbert, you know Chase Daniel. Um, you know, all those guys, he seems to have the most pro ready type of I agree with you one hundred percent. And I think, I, I think Drew Locke is a, is a lot more pro ready than what Blaine Gabbard was. I, yeah, Chase Daniel, I think, was probably pretty pro ready. The problem is, is that Chase Daniel's like my height, and you don't normally see a lot of you know six feet ish. Mm-hmm. quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, yep. like right now you can think of two, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, and that's it. Right. You don't see too many people who are like six feet tall. Not a lot of Doug Fluties. In the Not NFL. a lot of Doug Fluties in the NFL. Are they all like 6'5"? No. You, you want a quarterback anywhere between like 6'2 like and 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. yeah. Like Tom Brady's 6'5". Because your offensive linemen are nowadays 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, yeah, I mean like pounds. offensive linemen are all like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, right. So my, uh, my go-to mock draft is uh, WalterFootball.com. Okay, that's a good one. It's a real for, good for, one. For he entertainment. Has- Oh, yeah, it's great entertainment. Uh, and Mr. Walter has Drew going number 25 to your Los Angeles Chargers. Really? Uh-huh. Be a good fit. That would be a good fit, but I, I, I there's no way. I don't think he, he don't drops think he all the way down to 25. There's no way. Yeah, he, I don't. And, this, and this, is a, this is a fresh mock draft from today. Um, I mean, because right now. Oh, I mean, they, I mean are, they are blazing. So uh, he has uh, the Giants taking Justin Herbert. The quarterback out of Oregon at number four. Okay. So he's putting Justin Herbert up above uh, Drew Locke. I mean, you don't normally think of when you think of great quarterbacks in the NFL, the SEC doesn't immediately come to mind. Mm-mm. I mean, yeah, that's where Peyton Manning went. So there are some that have come out of the SEC, but mm-hmm. SEC, you don't normally think of great quarterbacks. No, you think of your skill position guys, cornerbacks, running backs, wide Defense. receivers, defensive linemen, linebackers. All right, and I'm going to ask a stupid question why? For some reason, like the way that they play football in the SEC has never, there's never been that big of an emphasis on a passing game. Look at all the success that um, that, uh, that Nick Saban has had in Alabama, and he's never really had a big, huge pro quarterback. And they run. No, they've never, they've never had an offense. And SEC schools, and they do this year. SEC schools typically run pro. I put it in quotes, pro style offense because you know the longest, you know, thought process for the longest time was, hey, let's line up under center, you know, I formation, two wide receiver sets. And now, even you know, and why I think Drew Locke will have a lot of success is now in the NFL, 90% of the games, you know, the hike is from the shotgun. You know, the snap is yeah. from the shotgun. Because it's all spread offense. So the yeah. SEC, you know, nowadays they're continuing to run that pro style kind of in offense. The NF- in the NFL now is a spread offense? No, in college. Oh, in college, yeah, yeah. yeah. College. So that's no, what- because, I mean, remember a few years ago, I, I th- it may have been with Chase Daniel. It feels like Drew Locke has been the quarterback in Missouri for about 10 years now. <laughs> kind of <laughs> does. I still remember Matty Mock days. Oh, yeah, Matty. Oh, yeah, 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 but those days got cut short. <laughs> he had a little problem. Just a little bit. Allegedly. 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 But anyway. Um, uh, you know, it'd be it'd be second and goal from the three, and there'd be Chase Daniel lined up in the in the shotgun, and you know, I'm like, get under freaking center. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's that's part of the reason why I think offensive line play in the NFL is so bad too, because they run all these spread offenses, and the offensive linemen they're not down in three point stances. They're they're you know got their hands on their knees. Yep. Yeah, because it's a spread offense. So when they get to the NFL, and now they're supposed to go into three-point stance, they have no idea what to do, and yeah. which is why like, if, if I was starting an NFL team, I would draft an offensive lineman, but I wouldn't draft one, like it, probably anything higher than the third round. I would try to accumulate as many vets as you can, mm-hmm. and then just kind of like work, like get yourself a great offensive line coach, and then just try to develop them as you go. Because, I mean, these, a lot of times these offensive linemen, when they come right out of college and get to the NFL, they're not that great. Does, this, does that warrant the need for, a, for an NFL D-League? Well, I mean, I think you're a... seeing that now with these two other leagues are essentially going me. to become a D league. You know that hey, you didn't make an NFL roster, but come play for the American Football Alliance and the XFL now. Yeah, and then yeah. There's, it's going to be kind of like the way the big three is too. There's going to be people who can't cut into the NFL but yeah. can still play. Yeah, and yeah. they're still like a draw. Yeah. So you'll still want to see blah 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 play. Absolutely, so you can see him in the XFL. You would be. It wouldn't surprise me to see guys like Chad Johnson or Terrell Owens. You know, sign one year deals with these XFL. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. Like John, Johnny, name- Johnny Manziel's going straight to the oh, XFL for sure. for sure. I mean, that there's your poster child right there for the yeah. XFL. Oh, yeah. is Johnny Manziel. 
And you love that. And let's just try Absolutely. To... <laughs> I don't even like Johnny Manziel, but I mean, come you, on. You that's, love that combination. That, that's, that's marketing 101. And you, did, you didn't say Johnny. XFL right when you did it. You had to do the, the Vince McMahon way. Welcome to the XFL. XFL. Oh, hopefully Vince will be a little bit smarter about it this time around. I imagine he will be. But see, the problem is, I mean, I, mean, I shouldn't say the problem. He had one of the best working with him back in, in, back in 2000 with Dick Ebersol. Well, the, well, he had he had the right. I think he had the right marketing and television folks. Here, here, yeah, from, from a football so, standpoint, I'm here, not so sure. Here, here two. Here's, I think I think there's two reasons or two big, uh, you know, fatal mistakes that Vince McMahon made with the XFL. He rushed it. Yep. He put the teams together, and then he was like, "Bam, go out there and play football." He needed to put the teams together, give them a year to kind of practice, and then have the season. What? Another. And here's another thing too that he that he did wrong, and people who who love wrestling are gonna hate when I say this, but the hardcore sports fan sees wrestling as a complete and total joke, and you've got Jerry the King Lawler and and um and Jim Ross calling a game, and then you've got Matt Vaskersian and Jimmy uh, or Jesse the Body Ventura calling a game. You weren't. You, it looked like you were trying to make this into wrestling and not football. Right. Trying to merge two worlds that definitely don't need to collide. Exactly. I mean, if, if you're going to make this the XFL, of course you're going to want to try to capitalize on the fame that you already have with the WWE, but you can't you know, have the WWE completely take over the XFL. It's got to be seen as a legitimate sport. Have they awarded franchises yet, and have they... And have they um, Name their, name their media partner yet. They have not. They have not. The XFL coming, is not. It's coming soon, though. The uh, the AAF the AAF has one with CBS. Yes. They have a broadcast deal with CBS, yes. but the XFL does not. And I don't know if they've started announcing teams yet. The AAF has, and St. Louis is not going to be on there, but I can see St. Louis maybe getting an XFL team. Maybe. Because it's St. Louis is a big wrestling market. And Vince Huge McMahon, wrestling market. And Miss McMahon knows that. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that, I mean, looking at it objectively... Granted, the the, foot, the field product was terrible in the NFL with St. Louis. The people didn't come out. The XFL product isn't going to yeah. be very good. How many people are going to show up for that? Well, twenty thousand maybe if you're lucky. Yeah, you're, gonna, that that, that twenty thousand look really small in that dome. Well, unless you block it off, unless you put the curtains up and and block off the entire. You, you, you may have to do that. You may have to do that. And something to this too, uh, before we go into break, is I think. And I completely agree that St. Louis has a legitimate shot at getting, you know, an AF or an XFL franchise. When I I think it won't happen though until this whole uh, lawsuit with the NFL is done and complete, because I think you know there there's parties that are involved in both the NFL and the AF and the XFL to where St. Louis won't feel comfortable moving forward with another professional sports franchise until that whole debacle is settled, in my eyes. I, I'm maybe. I'm not sure. I think the fact that the, that St. Louis is suing the, the NFL, I think Vince McMahon really likes that. There's an edge there. There definitely is an edge. So I, I, think, I think that may actually maybe pay, play into their favor. I don't know. Joining us on the phone right now is a contributor to the birdsontheblack.com and Cardinals Twitter sweetheart, Tara Wellman. You can follow her on Twitter at Tara Wellman. Do you like that nice We're adding Tara? some real production value real to this Real production thing. value. Tara, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. Wonderfully. We, we, uh, I'm telling you, this, this Cardinal season has been an emotional roller coaster. I keep declaring them dead, and then I declare them alive, and then I declare them dead, and now they're alive-ish. They're one game up in the second wild card spot ahead of the Colorado Rockies. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday, September 19th. The Cardinals play a day game. They lost to the Atlanta Braves. They took two out of three after almost being swept by the Dodgers. At this point, there's 10 games left. Uh, Tara Wellman, at this point, how are you feeling about their chances of making to the second season? I feel like I can't even answer that question anymore because it changes every single day. Um, You know, that's the challenge when you're trying to come back from basically the second half of the season being pointless to all of a sudden now making it valuable again. And it's it, it literally every day I'm like, you know what? it's it's fine they made a good run they made it at least interesting um and then the next day i'm like well you know they're so close i i really think they're gonna do it so i it depends on the day um (laughs) and i don't really know how else to to gauge this team but to just sort of sit back and let it happen (laughs) 
Why do you think uh, Matt Carpenter is suddenly slumping in the month of September? He was an MVP candidate, and he'll still be in the discussion, but I don't think anybody can seriously say he's still a, a candidate for most valuable player. I think he's gone so far in the month of September home runless, which is rare for Matt Carpenter, and he's striking out a lot too. What do you think's going on? Too much salsa? or He sold out. That's br- he's, I, yeah, he's sold out. Yeah, he, he, he's, this, this is going what it was. Public, he's a corp- with the salsa, he's a corporate fraud now. He's a corporate all, all, hack. The, all these years of toiling <laughs> in the minor leagues of baseball and major league baseball was just a means to get to becoming a salsa chef. Yeah, Schnooks right, pounced on that. Right. That's what it was. Wasted no time. I, which is fair from their perspective. Like, I mean, somebody was going to, right? No but, doubt. Um, you know, there's there's maybe a little too much salsa going on, not enough baseball. I don't know. But uh, I, it, it's tough to watch Matt Carpenter this season and try to figure out what's going on because it's, it's pretty much all or nothing. Um, and that's not really the way Matt Carpenter has been successful over the course of his career. Um, so I think when you look at the numbers at the end of the year, no one's going to really have anything to say good or bad as far as like that was the best season of his career or he was terrible all season. It's just he's either blazing hot or ice cold and there's really no in between. The problem with that is that this offense seems to follow Matt Carpenter. <laughs> so when he's ice cold, so is everyone else. Um, and, and that seems to be sort of the lull that everyone's been in in September. Aside from how the team's doing, another blazing storyline right now is Adam Wainwright. Matt, you and I both sat on this podcast last week. And openly they, mocked him. Openly mocked him. Berated <laughs> oh, that man and everything it. he had done for <laughs> St. Louis. Then comes out Sunday against the Dodgers, uh, the, the last of a four-game series. You go into Sunday thinking, strikes like, out nine. Christ, Wainwright's on the mound. We might get by 30. Yeah. And then he strikes out nine you know, over five, six innings. Tara, from your perspective... Is this just, you know, is Adam Wainwright, you know, did he just show out one last time or is this something that we can expect from him and, and possibly into the postseason? You know, I was talking about this on a podcast, um, I guess, Sunday night right after that. Uh, cheating, right after us that all, cheating on us already. We didn't get the exclusive uh, What's this first. other podcast you speak yeah, of? You know, you Rude. Know, Hey, you can, I'll, I'll come on every week if you want me to. Um, no, but we were, I was talking with Daniel Shaptow about it, and, and I was saying I, I felt better about this kind of success for Adam Wainwright than what we've seen the last couple of years because even in his first start back off the DL, I mean, it was really only one bad inning, but he still didn't really look that great. I mean, he was sort of like finding these weird, crafty little Adam Wainwright ways to get out of innings, but he didn't really look good. This outing, he looked much more like an Adam Wainwright that, that that we could believe in, that looked like the Adam Wainwright of old. The trick is always going to be, will his body hold up? And I don't know that there's any way to answer that other than to put him back out there and see what happens. It, it still makes me nervous every single time he's out there, though, because like you said, yeah. I mean, it is, okay, how, it's almost like a pitch-by-pitch experience. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, he looked, he looked good with that batter. How's this one going to go? You have no idea when the... Uh, uh, when the Congo line around, you know, around the base pass is going to start, I, if you're counting on Adam Wainwright, in my opinion, to to carry this team into the postseason, I don't like that. <laughs> however, however, I was, you know, I get that. Um, but Austin Gomber got roughed up. John Gant got roughed up. Nobody yeah, good. isn't going deep into games. So, I mean, when you put what Adam Wainwright did on Sunday night up against what the rest of the starters have done, he's right there with everybody else in that group. And to your point, Tara, uh, Adam Wainwright has something that the rest of the starting pitching staff does not, and that is experience. Yeah, that's exactly. true. And he's a guy that has pitched, you know, has been able to pitch, you know, over 180, 180 innings in a season. And I was just going to tell you, Matt, I can't wait till he comes out and shoves, you know, one or two more games. And then it gets to that wild card playoff game. And Mike Schilt comes out and says, Adam Wainwright is our starter. And then they will lose that playoff game. B-Fib, <laughs> B-Fib will have a fit. Because yeah. you're, you're right. Because Adam Wainwright, if you go back and look at his postseason experience, it, he is, he has not been that great of a pitcher. Good, no, yeah. it's not, but he's the guy that's got the most experience. So would it surprise me? Absolutely not. No, it wouldn't surprise me either. Um, let, let's talk about you know the season is the season is still going on and maybe they'll find a way to make it into the playoffs and and, and claim one of the wild cards. But let's talk about the team and the off season and going forward. Um, Adam Wainwright, this is his last year. I, I mean, maybe they bring him back on a one year contract. I have no idea why they would. <laughs> I think that um, 
I think Michael Walker, I think he's probably done as a, as a St. Louis Cardinal too. He, he's great whenever he's healthy. The problem is that he's never healthy. And Carlos Martinez, I'm not sure what you do with him. Is is he going to be, you know, like a front end of the rotation pitcher? Is he the closer that we've been looking for the entire time? What Where do you think the future of this team is beyond this season? Well, I think the one thing that we do know is that they have a ton of pitching talent. It's just kind of trying to sort it out and figure out who fits best where. Um, I don't think Carlos Martinez is going to stay in the bullpen, at least not initially. I think that they will make every attempt to, to get him back in the rotation because of the, the skill set that he has to be that sort of friend under the rotation guy. But you're also looking at Alex Reyes being back at some point. You're looking at Jack Flaherty really kind of taking control of that um, you know, future ace position. So it, it's not like they have a shortage of top of the rotation type guys. It's just that they're all still really young and you can't necessarily bank on that. As far as Adam Wainwright is concerned, I'm sure if he's successful down the stretch and, and whatever happens with the Cardinals, as far as the postseason is concerned, he's going to want to pitch next year. I don't think he's going to want to pitch anywhere other than St. Louis, but um, <laughs> I think he's going to want to give it a shot. And if he wants to give it a chance, I, I would not be surprised if the Cardinals, um, you know, pick up a one-year contract for Wainwright and, and see what happens, partly because they have so much youth and such a lack of experience that, that he brings to the table. Um, but there are a lot of those guys that are even, you know, pitching out of the bullpen right now that may not be bullpen guys. They may end up being starters, and the Cardinals are going to have to, um, you know, make some tough decisions like they did this spring with Jordan Hicks, putting him in the bullpen uh, in figuring out what the best value is for some of those guys going forward. So Tara mentioning all those guys, there's only a certain amount of roster spots. You don't have 40 guys, you know, on your roster, you know, come the first week of April, who's the odd man out as far as the pitchers are concerned. Oh yeah. Uh, Well, I think that the best choice would be to trade some of them for the other pieces that the Cardinals still need. Um, I think that the way that um, Dakota Hudson has has played into the major league roster, they're going to get some calls about him. Um, I think that Austin Gomber fills a spot in the rotation as far as a lefty is concerned, that they haven't really had a strength <laughs> uh, in that role in, in a while. Jamie Garcia um, was fantastic. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> when he wasn't like, having surgery on his own and not telling anyone, <laughs> right. yeah, he was great. <laughs> Um, no, but I think that I, I'll be curious to see how Gomber does um, over the course of the offseason and what they have him work on because he's an enormous talent. I think he's a little overmatched right now. Um, and, you know, that's why one one outing he looks phenomenal and the next he barely gets out of the third inning. That's going to be that's going to be a thing they need to address if he's going to be in the rotation next year. Um, so, man, I don't I don't even know. Because it depends on what you do with Carlos Martinez and Adam Wainwright and Alex Reyes uh, when they come back next year as far as what that rotation looks like. And, and then and, I and, guess you go from there. And Michael Walker, too, because I'm looking at, right, okay, right. If, if, if Alex Reyes, okay, he's, he's done the surgery. What happened with him was a lat strain, right? Okay, so mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to assume that he's going to be ready to go come February, February when pitchers and catchers report. So mm-hmm. we're going to say Alex Reyes is going to be one of the five. You know Jack Flaherty is going to be one of the five. Well, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll hold that because, in my opinion, they're in a position to where Alex Reyes theoretically doesn't even have to pitch right now. I think something that happened with him this year is they maybe thought he was a little bit more ready than he actually was, probably okay. rushed it a little bit. Sure. And so now he has the surgery. You've got all these other guys who can pitch. You okay, but next season. How, but how long ago was that surgery, though? I don't know. I'm saying you're in a position to where – he doesn't have to play right away. Get him 100% healthy because you know he's got more talent than anybody else on the roster. Mm, well, but so I don't I, slot him in as one of my five right now. I also think, I also think with Reyes, it's going to be interesting because, you know, having back-to-back injuries, you start to wonder about his mechanics and if that's something that's going to create injuries going forward. You also start to wonder, you know, how many times you can um, recover from injuries like that and surgeries like that so much time off and not lose anything. So... Alex Reyes has all the potential in the world, but he's a huge wild card right now for this team because they just haven't had a chance to see what he's actually going to be capable of doing when he's healthy enough to do it. But I think, though, until until Jack Flaherty has come on, I think Alex Reyes, I think that the organization was banking on him being the number one starter oh, of this sure. team eventually. Yep. So, I mean, 
they're going to want him to go out there. They're, I mean, yeah, they want him to take his time, make sure he's not injured again. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, when's the last time we've seen him on the mound? When was that, June? Something like that. Yeah, Something like that. So it's, it's, so, it's, so it's been it's a long been a, time. It's been a long time. I have a feeling he's going to be ready, though, by spring training. But I think so, too. For, for argument purposes, yeah. let's say he is, and they're going to want him in the rotation. So, okay, so you, I'm not saying that he's going to be the number one, no, but no, I'm no. just saying I'm right there number one is Alex Reyes, number two is Jack Flaherty, number three, Miles Michaelis. I think he's still going to be on the team next year, correct, or do God, I have that I, wrong? He 100% has to. Okay, yeah. so there's Miles My, Michaelis. There's number three. Carlos Martinez, does he go back into the rotation yep. or are you keeping the bullpen? You probably got to, I mean, you're paying him like a starting pitcher, so he's probably yeah. got to be one. So there's number four. And then number five, you've got, uh, Gant. You've got, um, Gomber. You got Gomber. Hudson. You've got Hudson. You've got, I mean, I think we're maybe done with the Luke Weaver experience as a starting pitcher. I mean, Jordan Hicks was a starter in the minor leagues too, so it's, I mean, he could take the Trevor Rosenthal route and just declare, hey, I want to be a starter in the major leagues now. And then, like, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying they need to move on from Michael Walker, but they right. may not be ready to do yeah. that too, so yeah. Michael Walker could be number yeah. five. So, like you, like you said earlier, Tara, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to have to do with all this pitching and, mm-hmm. like, what can, like, who do, like, who can they live without and see what they could do to, you know, turn that person into, you know, some more prospects. I think the same thing's going to be done with the outfield too. Marcelo Zuna is probably not going anywhere, so he's going to be on the team next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, B-Fib, I know you're going to hate this. Dexter Fowler is going to be on the Dexter Fowler's going to be on the team. He's going to be on the team next year. I don't B-Fib. want him on the team. I'm sorry, him and his laziness. You're just going to find some he's way to live lazy. with because you're not you're not going to be able to move him. He's got a no trade clause. Rate he's got him. A, he's got a no trade. He's got a no trade clause. He's got a huge contract. No one is going to want him. And he, Tired of it. And he has to play. And he has I, and to. You can't yeah. sit absolutely that much money on the bench. You can't. He has to play. And you know what? I mean, like, granted, he he's a veteran. He's won a World Series. I know it's with the Cubs. You have to say that he's kind of earned that kind of respect where you got to have to play him. He's earned the shot. To, absolutely. To at least come back from an injury and say I can come oh, into the sure. next season and, and think I can start. And then uh, everybody's favorite, uh, Harrison Bader's going to be the center fielder. So yeah. that leaves Tyler. That's O'Neal. who I like. He's a hardworking, <laughs> scrappy center fielder. He's Harrison Bader. He hustles. He is a, he is a hustler. He sweats he hustle. He has phenomenal hair. Great hair. He does he have great hair. hair. He does and have a great not, head of hair. And it's not, not purple. That. It's not purple or blue right. or yellow <laughs> or anything stupid. It's a normal color. So then you got Tyler O'Neill and yep. you got Jose Martinez as kind of like the odd men out for that fourth outfield spot. And Adolis Garcia. And Adolis Garcia, who I probably, he's, he's more than likely heading back to Memphis. I, that's, it saddens me because I wish he'd play a little bit more because he he's proven everything he needs to prove at the minor league level. I think with the, I agree. Tara, hear me out on this one. This is what I think what the Cardinals really need to do. I think because they have such young talent, no other than Dexter Fowler and maybe Brett Cecil, mm. no one is really making big, huge money on this team. They need to make an offer to Manny Machado where he says, no, I am not going there. You have to make it like almost ridiculously painful because all this young talent is still going to be relatively cheap for a while. Mm-hmm. Manny Machado is 26. He is entering his athletic prime. If you give him like 10 years and $320 million, by the time that contract is over, he's going to be 36. I'm like laughing as you're saying that. He's still going to be pretty good. In, in no way would John Mosaic throw a 10-year $320 million. Well, he doesn't have to do that. He's got to get the order from DeWitt, and I heard that Bill DeWitt has a huge man crush on Manny Machado. I, I have a huge man crush on We Manny all have Machado. a huge man crush on Manny Machado. John but is he going to play Is he gonna play it short, or is he going to play it third? Oh, you have him play it short. You move Paul DeYoung to th- uh, the third. He's way worse at short, yeah. though. He statistically, he's a worse shortstop. Machado is Machado. He's worse yeah. at shortstop than he is at third base. I thought he was better at short. No, he's okay. Worse well, at then short. he play. Okay, he plays at third, but unless okay, but if, in order to get him, yep. if he says he wants to play short, he's playing short. We'll have we'll have Ozzie Smith and Jose Oquendo work with him every <laughs> single damn day, and we'll make that man a shortstop. <laughs> I love that All you're right. declaring, yeah, right. declaring this cardinal rule right now. I'm declaring this cardinal rule right now, Clay Byers-Dorber. Get George Kissel okay. out of that casket. Get him on that field. Yes. And wake up Red Shady's while okay. you're at it, too. Wake okay. up Red. Here, let me let me throw this at you. Manny Machado or Bryce Harper? Oh, Manny Machado. Yeah, I, I really, Honestly, I have no interest in Bryce Harper. It's tough to have cornerstone type of infielders as opposed to outfielders. For some reason, I feel like the gluttony of elite talent comes from the outfield position because – Better athletes play the outfield than they do the infield. Oh, well, theoretically, your best athlete should play center field and shortstop, right? You want to be strong of the middle. Right, strong of the middle. Catcher, short and second, and center field. But with the gluttony of outfielders that they have, it's really tough to see a market 
in St. Louis for Bryce Harper as opposed to Manny Machado. And I also think that Bryce Harper, like the, to me, one of the appealing things about Manny Machado, he has zero social media presence. He, he does. You, okay, you're he's, he's a St. Louis guy. He's a St. Louis guy. He he. Okay, I I bought is night, his hair purple. No, his his hair is kind of long. His hair is weird he, right now. It though. is kind of weird. He's he's kind of got. <laughs> no, it's it's not. We need we need to get him. I need, I need, I need to pot down that B-fib hotline that I have patched in. I have <laughs> yeah. there's, there's some B-fib standing outside but, yelling. Okay. Bob Nightingale told me a couple years ago when I was on five on five ninety when I was on uh, when I was on a real network. Well, oh my goodness gracious, rude <laughs> insult to the rude. He told me that he told me that Manny Machado just wants to play baseball. That's the only thing he wants to do. He's not interested in being a a media darling. He's not interested in big, huge endorsement deals. He just wants to play baseball, and that's it. Much like Mike Trout. Much and, like Mike Trout. And the fact that he does not have a social media presence, to me, tells me that's what he's interested in. At what the, 26-year-old doesn't have an Instagram or Twitter again? At this day and age, that, the is, the, that, is, the, that is the qualifier. Right? That is the qualifier. So to me, that tells me that he is not interested at all in being photographed with one of the Kardashians in one of L.A.'s hottest nightclubs. Or New York's hottest nightclubs. He just wants to show up to the ballpark, do his job, win the damn game, and then go home. That's it. That's all he wants to do. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I have I have kind of a question moving on from that. Can I, is that okay? Sure. At some point, there's they're going to ruffle the feathers of Yadier Molina when they when they when they need to start bringing in a new catcher. Well, he's, he's under contract for two more years. No, I know. But and then and then he's even he has said he's done. No, but at some point, even during while he's playing, while he's under contract, they won't do it. No, no. He Yadier Molina can do whatever he wants as long as he <laughs> wears that uniform. He can tell John Mazalak, "I'm playing every day unless my leg is physically removed from my body." He I will, figured they'd he, ruffle his feathers. No, nope. he will go out there, and that's why you're seeing Carson Kelly and Andrew Kis- Kisner or Nisner, however you say his last name. That's why you're not seeing them play a whole lot. I mean, Carson Kelly doesn't even start over freaking uh, Pena right now. I was asking you know, our guest, Clay. I'm just, I'm throwing, I'm rude. I'm, I'm, I'm Tara, Tara, what are your, Tara, what are your <laughs> thoughts on ruffling the feathers of uh, Yachty or Molina? I would like to see the person who's brave enough to try. Yeah, right. Um, no, I, you know, I think it's interesting because we thought, we've thought for the last two or three years that they'd have to start moving somebody in and, and at least sharing some sort of playing time with Yadier Molina. And that just hasn't happened partly because Mike Matheny wouldn't do it, but also because Yadier Molina's playing out of his mind when he's not on the DL. Um, so it, it's unfortunate for somebody like Carson Kelly, who certainly appeared to be a talent on the rise and now is just kind of like wasting away at AAA um, or as the third catcher on the bench behind Pena. Um, but you're right. It, it might not, not even be Kisner who is the guy with the right timing to to be the big league catcher after Yadier Molina. Um, I was in Peoria a couple times this year and had a chance to talk to their duo of catchers this year, Ortega and Rodriguez, who are actually both really impressive without a lot of um, fanfare, without a lot of publicity. Ortega spent some time on the DL that kind of made his numbers look a little less impressive. Um, But defensively, they're both really, really solid. Rodriguez has a nice... um, has a nice bat and he was really solid all season and they're far enough behind that maybe there's uh maybe there's the right timing as far as the the Yadier Molina window closing um but it's really hard to say because much like we can't really predict what Adam Wainwright's going to do at some point you would think that age would catch up with Molina although uh that certainly has not happened yet <laughs> you're going to carry that man out on a stretcher age, I got a feeling age is just a number <laughs> Tara Wellman, birdsontheblack.com, and follow her on Twitter at Tara Wellman. Tara, thank you for your time, and we look forward to having you on again soon. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you for listening to the Last Man Up podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Last Man Up Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Burger. You can follow Clay at Ton of Clayton, and you can follow Andy at Emo6. Uh, it was another fun weekend, weekend number two in the National Football League. Um, that Minnesota Packers game was wildly entertaining. That was a horrible bullshit roughing the passer uh, call penalty on Clay Matthews, which basically kind of helped Minnesota tie the football game. Um, another tie. 
Another tie. Two, two weeks and two ties. ties. I, 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 don't, I think like the last time this happened was like in the 1960s, I want to say I heard them say. on, on I've the, never seen it happen. I, I've never seen it happen either. It's the dumbest rule in sports. Uh, but I get it, though, when it comes to, to the sport of football because it's so physical that the longer you're out there, you're playing, the more likely you are to get injured. They're, they're exhausted. Um, I mean, to me, like, there's nothing wrong with a tie. It's a regular season. If it was a playoff game or a championship game, obviously you can't have one. But to me, there's nothing wrong in the regular season. There's nothing wrong with a tie. That's a millennial attitude. I'm, I'm, the, everyone, fur, I'm the furthest every, thing from a millennial. Everyone wins. Everyone gets a trophy. Well, well, you you can, or, you can say everyone, or you can say everyone <laughs> lost. Either way, in professional sports, uh, tying to me is just one of the dumbest things. I mean, you talk about when baseball teams tie. They will play 22 innings sure, but, and play into the wee hours of the morning okay, until but, there's a victor. Okay, You're telling but, me a guy can't suck it up for one more additional overtime? Okay, well, this is going to be a shocker, but baseball isn't nearly as taxing as what football I, is. I, I get that. I get that. But I'm saying it's professional sports. Like, at, at the highest level, you're going to settle with a tie. And just, it, and just be okay with okay, that. Okay, but here it's, it's, it's funny saying this, considering they've had two in two weeks, but tie, <laughs> ties normally don't happen that often. They don't. So, I, I'm, I'm, I, honestly, I'm okay with it. One thing I am not okay with is how they've been calling these roughing the passer penalties. Oh, now, I understand why the refs are doing it, because they're erring on, you know, on, on the side of safety and the side of caution. Yep. But if you're going to do that, they need to make those penalties reviewable. They, yeah. need to, they need to start doing that. I don't care how long it's going to take. Don't give me this... The, uh, you know, this BS about how it's going to, you know, make the game seem a lot longer than what they already are. Mm-hmm. I think everybody would rather have the play right and everything done right yep. than have it done quickly. Penalties across the board, I mean, have just been called at an alarming rate. I, I don't know what the actual statistic is, but they seem to be a lot more prevalent this season. I will say that some of the rule changes that they put in place seem to be working in some instances. I think of one instance this past Sunday. Uh, I don't know if you watched the Carolina Atlanta game, right? I watched some of it, like whatever it was on, um, Red on Red Zone, Red yeah. Zone. So Cam Newton uh, ran for a first down and slid. And oh, he got, got he got laid annihilated. out, annihilated. That guy was ejected right away, and it, rightfully it, so. And he should have been, and yes. rightfully so. So it seems that the rules that they put in place, there are some instances where they're working. But no, I completely agree. Uh, the you know pass interference, the roughing the passer is almost equally as bad this season as I've ever seen it. Well, you can't sack the quarterback anymore. Uh, it's it, ridiculous. You, you, you can't hit him too low because of the Tom Brady rule. Can't hit him high, and you can't hit him high because of the concussion lawsuit. So you have like to you have like this these right here. The, the two feet, like the torso, yeah. the solar plexus. That's the only place where you can hit the quarterback. And if and you, he better still have the ball in his hand. He better still have the ball in his hand, and he better not scrunch down like because he's bracing himself for the impact. Right. Because then if you hit him too high. High, then, then it's roughing the passer. If you hit them too low, then it's the Tom Brady rule. But they, like I said, they need to start making that play reviewable. That's the only way that they can that they can really justify throwing the flag that often. It's a tough life for a defensive player. In Absolutely, right it is. Now. And here's another thing too that you have to start thinking about this long term. If you're a kid right now, let, let's say you're a little kid and you have some athletic ability and you really want to start playing football, do you want to be an offensive player or a defensive player? I mean. Kids always want to score points. They want to win the big game, so naturally they're going to play offense. Right? But I mean, you want to, it, you're going to play quarterback, or you're going to play running back, or you know, be the guy. But it'd be like if you think that okay, I, I like come hell or high water, I am going to be a professional football player. You're yeah. going to want to be an offense. Yeah. So that means that you know, generations from now, the the balance of talent is going to be on one side of the ball and not the other because of these rules. I'm I'm, I'm serious. No, I I completely agree. It's hard as you know a high school kid or even a college athlete to really feel passionate about playing defense when you have the one part of your game which is hitting other people, yes. seemingly taken away from you. I mean, Vontae Davis doesn't want to be a defensive <laughs> player so bad he quit at halftime. That is one of the funniest things. I mean, uh, like if I if I like the people on the Bills team that organization, they're not laughing about it, and I wouldn't either. I'd be angry too. But as someone who was not on the Bills organization and not a Buffalo Bills fan, this was damn funny. Just when you thought, after the shellacking that they took from the Ravens in week one, you thought, well, you know, they can't get any worse. You know, it's only going to go up from here. They got beat by 40 points week one. Like, they got to be better week two, right? That Bills not, team. Not so much. That Bills team may not win, win a game all not, year. May not. Arizona may not win a game all year. That Arizona team is they're, bad, they're too. Bad. They are really bad. Man. Um, Bradford looked terrible. Bradford looked terrible. I, it's only a matter of time before they give the ball over to Josh Rosen and oh, just yeah. just to see what the kid can do. Yep. Um, the David. Tampa the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they look amazing. <laughs> uh, Ryan Fitz Ryan Fitzmatrick, man, I mean he 
he's starting to become like one of my favorite players, even though he's been around the league forever. I yeah. mean, hell, he was here with the Rams in St. Louis. And the way that he's playing, and then the post-game presser where he wore Deshaun Jackson's Love outfit. Because Deshaun Jackson loves Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. He's, I think he's the one that gave him the nickname Fitzmagic. That's got to be the most unlikely friendship. It's got to. It's right up there with Michelle Obama and George W. Bush. I mean, like loudmouth, like outspoken, you know, arrogant. Deshaun Jackson is best friends with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who holds a degree from Harvard. Yeah, who went to Harvard. <laughs> and then he looks like Conor McGregor at the press conference oh, yeah. with the shirt and the beard and the shades the and everything. Hair. When I saw the picture, when I saw the picture of it, I really, honestly, God, I thought it was Conor it McGregor. Just like I'm him. like, why is Conor McGregor doing a press conference oh, yeah. in front of the the Buffalo or the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers banner? It doesn't make any sense, but. He's got I mean, like that Buccaneers team on the offensive side. They've got talent with, with OJ Howard and Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, and Mike Evans. So they have receiving talent on there. The funny thing with Fitzpatrick is, is that he's fool's gold. We've seen this before with Ryan oh, Fitzpatrick, yeah. where he looks good in a couple of games, and then I mean, would you be surprised at all on Sunday if he threw seven interceptions? No, not at all. Not and one then, bit. So, and then Monday morning, the controversy will start. Like, oh, we can't wait for Jameis Winston to get back. Like, well, I mean, Jameis Winston, he's he's, he's got his whole, own issues. Yeah, that's a whole nother whole nother discussion he has got his own issues if i'm tampa bay i'm starting to think about life past james winston you have to you have to i don't think there's any way i keep him around it's hard for him it's hard for me to see him being truly successful anywhere in the nfl with as much offseason stuff as he continuously goes through it's hard for any organization to say yeah you're our guy um another big surprise in my opinion is well right now the pittsburgh steelers are oh one and one they tie with the Cleveland Browns, yep. and then they get completely shellacked by the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk about them in a second. But you still have Le'Veon Bell holding out, and now you have this whole thing with Antonio Brown not showing up for work on Monday, and he said the reason why he didn't show up is because he had a personal issue going on. I mean, most important... yet he gets disciplined for it today. Okay, but <laughs> he didn't let them know about it. If you've if you got something personal going on and you can't go to work that day, you have to let your employer know. Your, empo- your employer is going to be like, fine. Especially when you make that much money. It's not like not showing up for a shift at McDonald's. Exactly. Like you make 15 to $18 uh, okay, million dollars a it's, year. It's just a respect thing. You have to let your employer know where you are. It's being a professional. Exactly. I mean, like, I don't think Antonio Brown, he doesn't, he doesn't have to explain himself. No. Other than, like, okay, you may want to let them know that if you're in jail. Like, the reason why I can't come to work right now is because I'm in, I'm in county. I'm yeah. locked up in county. That's the reason why I can't make it. Right. Then you may want to let them know. But if you've got baby mama drama or something like that going on that you need to take care of and you need that day to do it, just say, hey, I, I can't make it to work today. I got something personal I got to take care of. You're Antonio Brown. They're going to be like, okay, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Just let them know. It's not like you got to, like, continuously learn a new pl- – like, he's been there for years. It's not like missing a day of practice is going to kill him. But the, this whole thing, though, with the, with the Steelers, I mean, the Steelers are like the blue bloods. Yeah. Of the NFL, they're one of the crown jewels. You got to put them right up there with the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. I hate to see it too because I really, really like Mike Tomlin. For some reason, every time that guy talks, you know, every co- every game that you know you see him, co- I really, really like Mike Tomlin. But I think he's going to be the guy cut at the end of the year if this continues to go on. They're just going to start fresh, and, and you hate to see that. I don't know. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers and that that franchise's organization, they've had three head coaches. Yeah, that's true. They. So do that's not, that's one thing do they don't do. Me. They do not turn over a lot of, uh, of of head coaches. Not the Cleveland Browns or the Oakland Raiders, where that's they true. just turn them out year after year. They they hold on to their guys, much like the Cardinals. Much like the Cardinals, um, the Kansas City Chiefs. Pat Mahomes, <laughs> when the Kansas City Chiefs moved up to draft him two years ago, I was at the Amer Sports Bar watching the draft. Howard Balls and Mark Littlebridge were doing the draft on five ninety. And when they drafted Pat Mahomes, I turned and looked at the two of them, and they kind of both held their hands up like, we don't know either. And I'm like, I hope you know what you're doing, because they traded up to get him, yep. and boy, do they look smart now. He looks fantastic. Now, he hasn't exactly thrown in a lot of tight windows. I mean, these receivers are wide bleeping open whenever he's it's hitting they them. they got so much damn speed on them. They do team. have a lot of damn speed. That defense is terrible, so they're going to beat everybody. They're, they kind of remind me of, of the uh, the 2001 uh, St. Louis Rams, the, yes. the year after they won the Super Bowl, where they the offense was amazing and the defense was dog bleep. Yep. So they were having to beat everybody, and they were like, you know, each they they were they were scraping out like three and seven point wins when they were putting up like fifty sixty points. Right. So this Kansas City team, that offense looks real. If that defense, maybe they bring Eric Berry back and Eric Berry back and see if he can make a, a contribution to him. But that offense, man, with Tyreek Hill. And Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt. Yep. They look like the real deal. 
Mahomes has, I will say this, that Mahomes has a rocket arm. I mean, a rocket. When, when he throws that ball, it's humming towards whoever he's throwing it to. I mean, it's, I was watching the game Sunday and it reminded me of um, Drew Brees right when he, I mean, he played in San Diego obviously for a little bit, but when he came over to New Orleans and some of those tight spirals, and he still throws today a really, really good ball, but man, the velocity on his throws, it, it reminded me a lot of Drew Brees early in his career. <laughs> If you're in Kansas City right now, this is something that you've been waiting for since Lynn Dawson. Oh, you're excited as hell. You were so excited because right you had Elvis Gerbach for a while, and he couldn't win a playoff game. It was yep. so bad that you brought in Joe Montana when he was practically in a wheelchair. Right. And he was the last one to win a playoff game for the Kansas City Chiefs until Alex Smith did it recently. Right. But, I mean, you did a lot of recycling of quarterbacks. Trent Green was pretty good for you guys when you guys had Priest Holmes and Dick Vermeil, but still haven't found that playoff success. But now that you got Patrick Mahomes, yeah, they're really excited over on that side of the state. Especially because that's a very winnable division. San Diego, oh, big time. San Diego is not special by any means. Philip Rivers has looked good this, you know, so far. But but there's it's still San Diego. Gen, yeah, San Diego is Los gonna, Angeles. They're going to kick themselves in the ass at the end of the day. You guys look stupid calling them San Diego. <laughs> the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego. Um, Denver is not very good. Case Keenum is Case Keenum, the Case Keenum that we all kind of thought, you know, he has always been. You know, I think last year with Minnesota may have been a little bit of a fluke. Um, and the Raiders, also, and the Raiders but, are in a rebuild. And the Raiders are in a rebuild. So, uh, yeah, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you're elated right now. Speaking of Los Angeles, uh, the Rams, they did look good. I mean, granted, they were playing the Arizona Cardinals, so, yep. I mean... You kind of have to. <laughs> Everyone you, looks good. Against yeah, everybody looks good against the Arizona Cardinals. But I mean, they they they're they're picking up where they they where they left off last year. The defense looks good. Here's the thing that I don't understand about what's going on over in Los Angeles, and maybe one day we'll have Vinny Bonsignor on, and he can kind of explain it. But he'll. I mean, I, I love Vinny, but he's going to give us probably the usual excuses. There were four football games on in the Los Angeles market on Sunday. Yeah, you had obviously the Sunday night game, the Giants and the Cowboys, and then they had two. Um, they had the, the early game, which was the Chargers and the Bills. Yep. And then you had the two late games, which was the Raiders and the Broncos and the Rams and yeah. the Arizona Cardinals. Three okay. o'clock game, yeah. The Los Angeles Rams, out of those four games, finished fourth in the ratings. Yeah. Still have like, a okay. And like, I, I, I'm not saying this jumping up and down as a, as a former St. Louis Rams fan. I'm, I'm trying to point and mock at him. I'm trying to understand why that is. Because this is the third year that that franchise is in Los Angeles, and the team is good. Yep. It's not like this is a bad Jeff nope. Fisher team nope. where they're kind of like, you know, well, maybe this is the year. This is a team with a lot of expectations. I've seen more than one person pick this team to, to go to the Super Bowl. I even some, I've even seen some people pick them to win the Super Bowl. They had 66,000 people at the, at the LA Coliseum, which holds like 100,000, but they're capped at 70,000. Right. So that 66,000 in a 100,000 seat stadium is going to look a little more scattered than right. what it is. I think their, their in-game attendance is fine, but football is now a game that's, that is consumed on TV. Right. On demand. Not, yeah. It's, it's on TV with high def and surround sound, the red zone channel. Right. So I don't understand why. They were fourth in the ratings in Los Angeles. I mean, like, I'm not saying they should have been number one. The Dallas Cowboys have done a good job of trying to establish themselves as a team in Los Angeles because they always hold their training camp in Oxnard, which is north of L.A. Yep. They've been there for a long time. It's a national brand. And so I kind of sort of understand why they were number one. Mm -hmm. But I can't understand why the Rams, why, why Rams weren't outdrawing the Chargers and the Bills. I mean, that game was on at 10 a.m. locally yeah, in that, L.A. They had to wake up early for that kickoff. They had to wake up early for that one, and who wants to watch the Buffalo Bills? Play the Chargers. Play the Chargers. I mean, all you like if you're looking at Twitter, all you're seeing is like how everybody in L.A. doesn't give a damn about the Chargers, and they're drawing a bigger crowd ratings-wise than what the Rams were? It's tough, but, and I think people forget, too, that Los Angeles, as as big of a market is, is one of the most, if not the most, diverse market in the United States. And the fact that... It's the, it's the most diverse. Most, most of the people that live in Los Angeles in the actual city are not originally from the oh, city sure. of Los Angeles. So you have people who are Cowboys fans or Giants fans, and and they don't really have, especially with the Rams and Chargers now being in Los Angeles, they have no ties to that team. They have, neither, they have ties to neither of those teams. Sure, but it'd be like one thing that L.A. is... And I'm, 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 look, this is not a dig at Los Angeles. This is not a dig at all. They're also kind of like a front running city, too. In what way? In like, okay, hey, the team's good. Oh, okay, well, now all oh, of a sudden I'm on board. Sort of bandwagon. Sort of bandwagon team, a front oh, yeah. running team. Yeah. Mary Hart's always in the front row of Dodgers games. <laughs> You're right. 
And she's still got those million-dollar legs. Like every single time I see her and she's sitting next to Larry King, I keep thinking Larry King's running game on her. Bozeman, you know, Montana. Hello. Yeah, yeah. I, I have no doubt that Larry King's running game on you, her. You know Larry King. You know, <laughs> Mary, you ready to go home yet? He's yeah. slicking his hair back. He's got the Dapper Dan like yeah. palmade in his pocket. It's only a matter of time back. before he cuts the bottom out of that popcorn tin and you know, <sighs> Here we tries, go. To, tries, tries to offer some I popcorn. I love the Dapper Dan. I'm a, I'm a Dapper Dan man, I'm a damn it. Dapper Dan man, damn it. <laughs> so... I don't like. I'm, I'm trying to figure out why they're still struggling to get like some kind of footing with the fan base out there. They have an even bigger problem too, and that is, I think uh, tickets on StubHub go for about twelve dollars to Rams yeah, games. Sure. How are they ever going to sell a PSL in their in their well, brand I mean, new and, stadium? And I, I saw actually some. I've seen some LA Rams fans tweet this out there. The like, you know, hey, kind of like, hey, get out there and go to the game because you know when that new place is going to open up, they're going to price us right out of going yeah. to the game. Yeah. But, I mean, out there, when that new stadium opens up, that thing will be full. Because oh, it's going to be, everybody's yeah. going to want to go and for check season. it out. For well, the for this, well, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's going to be the marquee venue in Los Angeles. And if, if, that team is, if that team is still good, which is, I mean, a possibility. They're, they're young. They got Todd Gurley locked up. Yep. They got Aaron Donald locked up. They're, they're more than likely going, and they, uh, Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods. Yep. So all they have to do is just kind of lock up... Um, Jared Goff, and they'll be fine. They're, they'll have their team. Mm-hmm. So they still should be competitive. Um, but, I mean, that, that's going to be the event to go to. That's going oh, to be, sure be the that, place to be seen. That's not and in I think basketball I think season. That's not in basketball season. I think as long as that team is still going to be putting an entertaining product on the field, people are still going to go. No I mean, the Transworld Dome was also the place to go see back in 1995. <laughs> 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 Dr. Jerry Buss, when he bought the Los Angeles Lakers, he knew, he understood the L.A. market part, uh, the L.A. market Better probably than anybody. He knew it wasn't enough to win. You had to win and be entertaining. So that's why he got Magic Johnson. And that's why he brought yeah. in Pat Riley. And that's why they were kind of doing the Showtime oh, yeah. Lakers. You got to be because the, be the best. Not only be competitive, you, but have, you to be, have to be you, the best. You, well, not necessarily the best, but you have to be entertaining to do it. Yeah. L- like let's say Jeff Fisher. Let's say that style of football still won in this day and age. Nine yards in the cloud of dust. You know, you're going to win like you know thirteen ten. 1916, you're going to win like, you know, these three seven point games and no one's going to score more than 24 points. Yeah. But let's say you were continuing to win. You were continuing making the playoffs. You know, you're, you know, maybe a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, you're winning games, but you're not, people in LA are going to fall asleep watching that. Oh, yeah. Why would I pay money and go out there and bake in the sun when I can go to the beach? No doubt. Why would I do that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of, I mean, that's, Definitely one of the reasons why the market share is also low is just it's really nice weather out there right now. There's so much other stuff going on within that own city. It's not surprising to me that the Rams are as low as they are. So this is our 25th episode, boys. It's very, very exciting times that we live in. So congratulations to you guys. Thank you. Thanks for, Thank you. Thanks for hanging with me this long. So what I've done is, uh, you know, we're, we are hot take central around here. Okay. okay. So you put so, together a montage of well, our hot takes? No, even better. These are from Awful Announcing. These are This is the week in hot takes. Okay. The best hot takes of the week. Uh, so there's only five, so we'll, we'll count them down for five. So number five, Mike Wilbon says, all the people voting for the Cy Young should be dismissed, calls metrics garbage. <laughs> well, yeah, because Michael Wilbon is an old school guy. Skip Bayless tries to devalue Aaron Rodgers' comeback win because it was against Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, because Mitchell Trubisky was out there playing defense. He CB- did that. He did that against Khalil Mack. <laughs> CBS Sports Danny Cannell wonders why college oh, football games have been canceled over Hurricane Florence. Yeah. Can you imagine? So I tweeted this like whenever. It came, can you imagine tough talking a hurricane? Like trying to tell people like. No, nope, you should play it through a fucking hurricane. I try. I tried to get Canelo on my on my show a couple years ago when he was on the outset at, at ESPN, and he told me that he couldn't because he was still under like he, even though he wasn't on the air, he was still under contract at ESPN. Yeah. He goes, but like, get back to me. Like, email me in a couple of months, and he goes, like, yeah, I'd love to come on. And then I sent him an email and never heard back from him. Danny Canelo is somebody I probably would not hang out with. Oh, I think <laughs> I. I mean, that was a dumb. That was a dumb take. But I, I ordinarily, I normally like Danny Canelo. Who would win? A hurricane or Coach Dicka? Hurricane. What if? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The hurricane's name is Hurricane Dicka. Dicka. Uh, you gotta go, Dicka. Mark Berman writes: Serena acted like a sore loser. <laughs> okay, we haven't talked about Serena Williams, and we'll try to do that real quickly. Serena Williams did kind of act a little bit like a sore a loser, a little bit, but it doesn't mean that that chair umpire wasn't extraordinarily sexist she, in the way that he treated her. Was she wrong? Absolutely not. Was she wrong in the way that she went about it? 
Yeah. Not not exactly her best moment, but she's she's Serena Williams. She is the she best. She do whatever she wants. She, she's one of the. I'm not even going to say female athlete. She is one of the best athletes this country has ever produced. Yeah. yeah, like you said, she can do whatever she wants. I'm still amazed she still wants to play, considering everything that she's accomplished. She's got a she's got a daughter now. Doesn't need to. She's got health. She's had more than one health scare. Yeah. I am stunned that she still wants to go out there and compete. But you know, good for her. Yep. She's 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 a national treasure. And the number one hot take of the week. Comes from uh, Boston Globe, uh, Boston Globe columnist Dan Shaughnessy writes that his niece said Serena penalties were fair, while the Herald Sun runs and then defends Mark Knight's racist cartoon. Oh, <laughs> so those are your top five hot takes of the week. Top if five it, hot takes of the week. If, if it takes of, off, if it takes, if you guys like it, we'll keep doing it. It was no, I do, I like it. It was a good, it was a good way to end episode twenty-five. I think so too. And so with that. Let's end it. Mr. Burger. Special thanks to Tara Wellman. You can follow her on, on Twitter at Tara Wellman. And uh, everybody, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll catch you on the other side. Okay, bye.